Did you know that all it takes is one sleepless night to trigger a 30% rise in your anxiety levels? We're already anxious over the state of COVID-19 resurging and more restrictions likely any second now. It's like a vicious cycle. We're too anxious to fall asleep, so we feel terrible the next day, which then leads to more anxiety the following night about falling asleep. Ask most people why they're having trouble sleeping, and they'll say it's because they can't shut off their racing minds. According to Harvard Medical School, focusing on increasing your rapid eye movement sleep can be a great place to start on your journey to better mental health. Guys, welcome to the NeuroExperience podcast. My name is Louisa Nicola, and in today's episode, we're going to be discussing REM sleep. What is REM sleep? How do we block REM sleep? And then we're going to move into four simple ways to increase REM sleep. This is part of a two-part series where we'll be just talking primarily on this type of sleep. And in the next one, in part two, we'll discuss non-rapid eye movement sleep, also known as slow wave sleep or deep sleep. So without further delay, let's get into the episode. Neuroscience, neurology, longevity, and beyond. Learn everything you need to know from the best physicians and experts in the world. The NeuroExperience podcast is a platform to help you understand what the brain is and how it shapes every part of our lives. Every episode comes to you from highly credible sources. I'm Louisa Nicola, medical neuroscientist from Australia, living in New York City. Come and take a NeuroExperience with me. This episode is brought to you by Eight Sleep. Temperature is one of my favorite topics when it comes to sleep. It turns out that just before we fall asleep, our bodies begin to lose some heat to the environment, which researchers believe actually helps induce sleep. But guess what? If we stay too hot during the night, we're actually blocking our REM sleep. So for myself, I sleep on a performance mattress. I sleep on the eight sleep pod pro cover. This helps me regulate my temperature patterns throughout the night. It's one of the best investments that I've ever made. And the great thing is since partnering with eight sleep, they are giving all of the neuro experience listeners $150 off anything on the website. So if you are as interested in getting deep quality sleep, and you're just sick and tired of messing around with the thermostat and you want to take your sleep to another level, go through and check out 8sleep. You can find them at 8sleep.com slash Louisa, where you will find a range of tools that enhance your sleep quality, but you'll also find peer-reviewed, scientifically backed information on how to get better sleep by managing your temperature. That's www.8sleep.com slash Louisa. Go through and claim this offer now. I'd also like to thank Timeline Nutrition. Timeline Nutrition have introduced a product called MitoPure that is the ultimate tune-up for your mitochondria. As we age and eat too much and sit at our desks too much, our mitochondria deteriorate and our bodies suffer. MitoPure restores mitochondrial function so every cell in your body has the energy to do the job that it's meant to do and keep you healthy and functioning in the right way. MitoPure comes in powder form so you can mix this into your yogurt and into your favorite smoothie. 
It's very important to protect your mitochondria, especially as we age. If you are interested in having a look at MitoPure, they are giving me and the NeuroExperience listeners 10% off with the code NEURO. All you have to do is go to www.timelinenutrition.com slash neuro or use the code neuro at checkout for 10% off. If you are serious about increasing mitochondrial biogenesis and increasing your health span and your lifespan, you want to take your mitochondria into account. Well, let's get into the podcast. You may be wondering, why is she just talking about REM sleep? Well, it turns out that a lot of my athletes and a lot of my other clients in the financial services space ask me, Louisa, what is the difference between REM sleep and deep sleep? And what can I do to better or be a a more efficient sleeper, if you will? And what I always say, especially when I'm talking to my athletes is you want to become an intelligent athlete. That means in order to become an intelligent athlete or, or an intelligent sleeper, if you will, you really need to deconstruct what each stage is. We now know that we have really amazing information that is given to us via a whoop watch or an aura ring, or of course, the eight sleep pod pro which is what I sleep on. It spits out a lot of data for me. We're becoming really intelligent consumers who are able to buy these things, but do we know how to optimize our sleep by reading the data? I think there's a very big misconception there. So in today's short solo podcast, what I want to do is introduce you to the sleep stage or the sleep phase, I should say, known as rapid eye movement sleep. I want to introduce you to what it is its benefits, the differences between rapid eye movement sleep and non-rapid eye movement sleep. Then I want to suggest some findings that I found in the literature that show that doing certain things, such as drinking alcohol, sleeping too hot at night, and other measures actually block you from getting into those REM sleep stages. So as a broad overview, rapid eye movement sleep, also known as REM sleep, is the period when people dream. Studies report that REM sleep enhances learning and memory and contributes to emotional health in many ways. Although scientists are still trying to tease apart all the mechanisms, they've discovered that sleep disruption, which affects levels of neurotransmitters, stress hormones, amongst other things, wrecks havoc in the brain, impaired thinking, and emotional regulation. So what is REM sleep and why do we call it REM sleep? Well, neurophysiologists and sleep scientists use a polysomnography to record sleep. It's also called a sleep study or PSG. So if you're having disrupted sleep or disordered sleep, you will go into a sleep lab and you will will go through and use a a polysomnography. Basically, you, uh, the scientists, the doctors hook up a bunch of electrodes known as an EEG to your scalp. They'll also use other mes- measures such as an EMG to record your muscle tone, EOG to record your oxygen. And what they're doing is they're recording your brain waves. They're recording the oxygen level in your blood. They're recording your heart rate, your breathing, as well as eye and leg movements. And this all happens while you sleep. It turns out that when a patient is going through a sleep study, 
several things occur through sleep that enable scientists to pinpoint different stages of sleep. Under strict sleep staging criteria, REM sleep is identified when a patient exhibits rapid eye movements, which means on an EEG, we can pick up on someone's eyes moving in a horizontal fashion. And what also happens during REM sleep is we experience muscle atonia, which simply means loss of muscle strength. So REM sleep has been coined REM because when we sleep, our our brainwave activity is active and our eyes are actually moving in a horizontal fashion. They're going from back, you know, back and forth, back and forth. So they're going rapidly, hence the name, rapid eye movement. But you'd think, well, if they're if our eyes are moving and we've got increased brainwave activity, isn't that the same as being wake awake? And the answer is yes. However, the difference is when we are awake, well, for most of us, we don't experience muscle atonia. So you're completely paralyzed, if you will, but you still have fast brainwave activity. So that's pretty much the history, but let's look at what REM sleep really is for the average person. So usually REM sleep happens 90 minutes after you fall asleep. The first period of REM typically lasts 10 minutes. Each of your later REM stages gets longer and the final one may last up to an hour. And during this time, your heart rate and breathing quickens and we principally have the most vivid, the most hallucinogenic types of dreams. What's the difference between REM sleep and non-REM sleep? Here's a general rule of thumb. Non-rapid eye movement sleep, we also know it as slow wave sleep or deep sleep, is all about the body, whereas REM sleep is about the brain. Hey guys, real quick, I want to cut in here and talk to you about AMP Human PR Lotion. If you're an athlete and you experience a stinging or a burning, and you just want to be able to train harder and train for longer, and you want to get rid of that lactic acid buildup, you really want to look at Amp Human. So it's a PR lotion, which I wish I had back when I was competing as a triathlete. As a triathlete. It's used by teams and athletes in the NFL, NHL, and NBA. It helps you recover faster and lessen the sting that you feel when you're doing hard out efforts and you get that lactic acid buildup. So if you want to know more about this and take advantage of this offer, then head over to amphuman.com slash neuro or use neuro15 at checkout so you can get 15% off. That is amphuman.com. Use code neuro15 at checkout to claim this offer. While memory consolidation and emotional regulation occur during REM sleep, most of our hormone secretion, such as growth hormone and testosterone, is secreted during deep sleep or deep slow wave sleep, if you will. REM sleep is also the house of peak protein synthesis at the cellular level, which keeps many processes in the body working properly. So there are many differences between deep sleep and REM sleep. Both serve their purpose. But if you are like me and you do track your sleep, you may be wondering, well, Louisa, how much REM sleep do I need? 
And as a general rule, you want to be sleeping. You want you want your you want twenty percent of your total sleep time to be in REM sleep. That can be broken up into five minute segments. Sometimes we go into REM sleep, then we dip out of it. Then we might go into it for ten minutes and then dip out of it. We may even stay in REM sleep for an hour and then come out of it. As long as twenty percent of your total sleep time is made up of REM sleep, I would say that you're pretty much on a good track. But what about if you wake up? And you look at your sleep tracker and it says, well, you've only had 12% of your total sleep time in REM sleep. What does that mean? Well, we know the benefits of it. We know that you know we, we get good emotional regulation in REM sleep. We also know that it's good for learning, um, processing memories, memory consolidation. So what's blocking us from, from achieving this? Well, let's move into this. Let's look at three types of of REM blockers, I call them. Now, long and behold, the first one I'm going to be speaking about is alcohol. Yes, I've said it before, alcohol is a sedative drug. And what you're doing there by drinking alcohol is is simply knocking yourself out. You're removing consciousness quickly from the brain by way of having alcohol. You're not putting yourself into a naturalistic sleep state. People think that, well, I'll have a few glasses of wine because it makes me sleepy, but in turn, it's just sedating you. The other issue is that alcohol will will fragment your sleep. It will litter it and punctuate it with many more awakenings throughout the night. So you're going to be shorthanded in sleep. One of the most notable concerns when it comes to alcohol is it's very good at blocking your REM sleep specifically or your dream sleep, which is critical for aspects of mental health within the brain and emotional restoration too. So alcohol, it's very misunderstood. It's a very misunderstood drug when it comes to sleep. It's not helpful. So if you want to optimize for better sleep habits, and you want to really increase your REM sleep time and get it to that 20%, you really want to stop the alcohol. Number two, medications. So medications such as antidepressants and other psychiatric drugs can cause less REM sleep. It turns out that reductions in the amount of sleep and increases in REM sleep onset latency are seen after taking antidepressants, both in healthy volunteers and in depressed patients. Antidepressants that increase serotonin function by blocking reuptake or by inhibiting metabolism have the greatest effect on REM sleep specifically. The decrease in amount of REM sleep appears to be greatest early in treatment, and gradually diminishes during long-term treatment, except after monoamine oxidase inhibitors when REM sleep is often absent for many months. So I was looking at a study when it came to the effects of SSRIs uh, and other antidepressants and its effects on sleep. And that's when I realized that uh, medications such as fluoxetine, um, a a very potent SSRI, and it's uh, clinically given to depressed individuals. Drugs such as fluoxetine go in and in the first three to six months, it actually really decreases the amount of REM sleep that you are taking. Now, 
I'm going to link this specific study in the footnotes of this podcast. So if you are interested in reading more about that, just head over to the podcast and go down into the footnotes or in the show notes, and I will put the link in there. But it's a fascinating study, and I too learned something when I read it. Last but not least, REM blocker number three is temperature, one of my favorite topics. It turns out that just before we fall asleep, our bodies begin to lose some heat to the environment, which some researchers believe actually helps to induce sleep. During sleep, our central set temperature is reduced to one to two degrees Fahrenheit. And as a result, we use less energy maintaining our body temperature. So methods such as taking a hot bath prior to sleep have been hypothesized to increase sleep quality. In fact, warming up to four hours between one to eight hours before going to bed, so warming your body up for four hours, uh, one to eight hours prior to going to bed, increases slow wave sleep. So it, it gets you sleepy and it's, you know when we're falling asleep, and we, we start off our sleep with the deep sleep and slow wave sleep, where we're increasing that part. However, it decreases REM sleep. So what does that mean? Well, it pretty much means that if you are sleeping at a temperature that is too hot, then you will start to move around more in bed. You'll start to kick, your, kick the blankets off or kick, kick around and move around. And what do we know about that? Well, we know that we're not going to be in REM sleep because REM sleep is associated with atonia. So we're completely paralyzed. So we're, we're literally getting ourselves out of REM sleep. This is why I sleep on a temper, temperature controlled mattress. And this is not, I'm not just trying to plug the company and I'm literally, I, I, I really believe in it. I use it for a reason. I use it because you can actually monitor your, the, the, the mattress syncs up with your sleep stages and it says, well, Louisa is in REM sleep, so we're going to drop the temperature of the mattress at least one or two degrees so she can stay in REM sleep. I think that's really intelligent. So there you have it, guys. We've learned about REM sleep. We've learned about the benefits of REM sleep. We've learned what blocks us from getting REM sleep. So what do we do now? Well, in order to get your best sleep, you'll need a sleep tracking product like an eight sleep pod or like an aura ring or like a whoop. I'm not endorsed by the last two products, but you will need that to analyze your nightly sleep data because it tells you exactly how you sleep and how you're getting into each stage. I think sleep trackers allow you to pinpoint your sleeping patterns and compare this information to how much time in each sleep stage your body actually needs for a good night's sleep. However, is it entirely necessary? You don't have to run out and buy a sleep tracker. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that data is key. But what can you do now, even if you don't have a sleep tracker? Well, we know that we can stop the alcohol. You really want to stop the amount of alcohol you're having. And as a general rule, maybe keep it, uh, keep it at a very, um, maybe once a month or once every two weeks kind of thing if you really need to have alcohol. The second thing is, I didn't mention this, but we know that caffeine really disrupts all sleep stages. So you want to steer clear of that. 
Uh, medications is not something that I am going to comment on. I just wanted to provide the science on that. But of course, temperature. I'm not telling everybody to go out there and get a, a temperature controlled mattress, but you may want to start to experiment with different things, maybe looking at the thermostat and setting it. I know that a lot of thermostats have a, a timer on it, maybe setting it uh, to go down two degrees when you are, you know, four hours after you sleep or two hours after you sleep. But taking measures such as this will have a very, very beneficial effect on your overall sleep quality and your overall health, longevity, and brain health. That's it for me today, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I'll see you next week.